Just some minor technical, oh, well, whatever. All right, can y'all hear me? Oh, wait, no, this mic's off. We're not winning today in the microphone department. Okay. Hello. All right, there we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. I hope everybody is doing well. This week is Natural Family Planning Awareness Week. And it's a week that highlights the 51st anniversary of the encyclical letter promulgated by Paul VI, Pope Paul VI, called Humanae Vitae. In this encyclical, the Pope definitively condemned the use of artificial contraception for the purpose of preventing conception of life under all circumstances. And when this proclamation came out, to no surprise, there was quite a backlash. And to this day, let's be honest, the backlash has not ceased at all. In fact, a Pew Research poll back cast out in 2016, so not too long ago, suggested that only 8% of Catholics actually think that contraception is wrong. It's no secret that many people struggle with this teaching. And I've got to admit, I was one of those people for a really long time. I mean, I agreed with what the church was teaching. I didn't disagree. I didn't didn't say otherwise. But even as a seminary entering, I wasn't entirely sure what the rationale was. And it wasn't until I went went to Mount St. Mary's Seminary in 2013 that I actually found the answer to the question, why the church banned artificial contraception under all circumstances, or at least to prevent conception under all circumstances. When I was a new seminary and I arrived at Mount St. Mary's, and the first class that I took there was a class on celibacy led by our rector, Monsignor Stephen Ross. And I'll never forget the first lesson that he taught us. He explained and condensed all of Catholic sexual morality in a matter of a few sentences. Few sentences, excuse me, that's plural. What he said was that sex is something you say. It's not something you do. It's something you say. It's not something that you do. What intercourse does is it sends a message with our body. It's the ultimate form of nonverbal communication. In the same way a handshake sends a message with our body, a salute if you're in the military, a peace sign, a smile, a glare, a wink, a hug, a kiss, all these things send a certain message with our body. We are constantly talking with our bodies. Eyebrow raises, frowns, this, that, and the other. Father Sibley is known to frown at me from time to time. That's just how it is. And the, the fact of the matter is, is intercourse, intercourse fits into this category as a communication, a mode of communication, a way of expressing love to another person. And what the exact communication says, what it, what it says precisely is this. I love you so much that I am even willing to have a child with you. I love you so much that I am even willing to have a child with you. That's, what, that's the message that it sends. Like it or not, biologically, that's what it says. Not including emotions, not including intention. What it objectively means on the lowest level of our humanity, that is what it says. But then our rector said something else that really opened my eyes to this whole communication thing. 
And what he said was this. Just as you can tell a lie with your words, you can tell a lie with your body. Just as you can tell a lie with your words, you can tell a lie, you can deceive someone with your body. Which means that if you're performing intercourse where you do not agree with this statement, I love you so much that I'm even willing to have a child with you, if you perform intercourse under those with, without believing that in your heart, essentially what you're doing is you're lying to your partner. It's the reason why fornication is so wrong. We're not willing to have a child with someone we're not married to. And so you use somebody else for, for their pleasure. It's the reason why it's caused so much drama. It's the reason why the church has consistently said that homosexual tendencies are a grave disorder. Because it misuses intercourse in such a way that it doesn't correspond to our nature. It doesn't actually say the message that it's meant to say. Because there is no openness to life. There's no children involved. And it's why artificial contraception is wrong. Because it causes us, quite frankly, to lie with our bodies. I mean, think about it. Think about the message you're saying with your body when you contracept. I love you, but not enough to have a child with you. Is that real love? I mean, is that, I mean, look, we all, there's tons of people out there that we might love, but not enough to have children with, but that means that we shouldn't be having intercourse with them. That means that we need to keep our distance. That's all that means. There's nothing wrong with that. We just need to have appropriate boundaries with, with each other. That's what that ultimately translates into you. And so that's kind of what Monsignor Ross was ultimately getting at. That's what he, was, what he was really pointing out. What he was essentially saying was this. There's two elements to intercourse, healthy intercourse. Babies and bonding. And if there's no openness to babies, there could be no true bonding. And that's the wisdom of natural family planning. This method of spacing out our children is simply a way to take into account a woman's natural bodily cycle of fertility when planning intercourse. It doesn't take a step to close off the life-giving power that this thing, that this act contains, this is the way the contraception does, but rather it simply follows the patterns of of the body's fertility, a pattern set in place by God. Now, this all sounds very nice, and whenever I first heard it, I thought it sounded beautiful. But the fact of the matter is, you and I both know, this is really hard to follow. All right? Let's be honest. This is not an exactly an easy thing. The, 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 the desire to procreate is the most powerful desire that we have. It operates in, in so much of our economy and the way we function. And so the question a lot of people have, and it's kind of a mentality that's getting, gotten like, like woven in our society, is, is this possible? Is chastity really possible? Can we really avoid this stuff? Can we really maintain healthy boundaries so that we can build a society of love and not a society of use? Not a society of lust where this type of behavior is encouraged. And I'll be honest, I didn't, think that, I didn't really think it was possible until I went, until, well, I didn't think it was possible until I went to jail. I'll be honest. I was doing prison ministry several years ago, and I was right there. And, yeah, I know, I didn't actually, well, I did go to jail. It was like three hours a week. I would always want to say that. Like, yeah, I've been in jail, you know, like, got the tattoo to say it, you know, get to some hard time. So, you know, it was only three hours a week, but it was still jail. And so there I was. I'm sitting there in the midst of, in a circle of 20 criminals. 
And this, it's a Catholic Bible study. And this one guy says, we're reading like the book of Jeremiah, and we're reading the opening part. And, you know, if you read Jeremiah, poor Jeremiah, at the beginning, I mean, he's just so persecuted and so hurt and so wounded. He, you know, the opening line is just, it's just it's him lamenting his persecution. And what this, what this criminal said was, I feel like Jeremiah. We looked at him and said, oh. Well, why do you feel like Jeremiah? He said, well, I'm getting out in October. And my wife wants to get on the pill. And I don't want her to. And so she's really, really, really mad at me. Now, he just brought up the most controversial Catholic teaching in the church. Where only 8% of Catholics believe this. And he just shared that with 20 hardened criminals. I was ready to die right there. I was, I was absolutely terrified. And so we're sitting there. Most of these guys, like they've told me all their violent crimes, they absolutely terrible stuff. Kind of fascinating, but terrible. So we're, we're sitting there, and I'm like ready for like an all-out fist fight. I'm like clutching, but I'm like, here we go, baby, let's do this. All right. And so whenever all of a sudden one of the guys chimes in, the guy I would have least expected, quite frankly, goes, Yeah, you can go to hell for something like that. I was like, yeah, you can. That's what I'm talking about. I was so proud of him. And you would not believe every single one of these guys believed what he said. They all sided with the church on this issue. Even though these are the guys that you and I simply lump in the same kind of segment of people who can't control themselves. People who have no no sense of chastity. People who have no hope. Well, they believe they did. And as a father and as a man they call father, I have a moral obligation to encourage that. And not to discourage that. I have a moral obligation to tell them, yes, you can. Chastity is possible. That life, being able to control our sexuality, is a reality for you. And they responded. They responded so powerfully. It was absolutely beautiful. And then that leads to, I guess, the next question. If it is, if, 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 if it, if it is reasonable, and if it is possible, then how do we do it? And the reality is... Yeah, I'm out of microphone. Sorry, guys. You just have to. I'm just going to have to really yell. The reality is, it goes back to these prisoners. One of the guys there, I'll never forget. His name was Bino. This guy was a character. He was. He was. He got into all kind of trouble. He was doing hard time. Probably, I think, twenty to thirty years, a long sentence. And one of the points that he made to me was that he is happier, fallen in love with Christ, right here in a medium security prison in Hagerstown, Maryland, than he ever was outside of jail. Than he ever was. Guys, that is how chastity is possible. Where we get into troubles, we see our fulfillment lying in other people. We see our fulfillment only in insofar as other people can satisfy us. We see our fulfillment whenever we lose attachment and we be, begin to depend upon our fellow neighbors too much. But whenever we can see Christ for who he is, the true fulfillment of our desires, the true fulfillment of our hearts, that's whenever everything changes. That's whenever this teaching actually makes sense. That's whenever you and I actually have the ability, the courage to live the bold message of chastity in a world that totally rejects it. In a a world that totally turns its back on the ability for you and I to control ourselves. A world that constantly says, no, we 
can't. But in Christ, we can. And so, my dear friends, I encourage you to adopt a spirit of Mary in today's gospel. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, not being tempted, not being distracted, not not constantly being worried about so many other things, but rather focused on Christ. So, my dear friends, whenever we focus on Christ, anything, and I mean anything, is possible. Especially this gift of chastity. Amen.